So I actually walked away from my coaching business in 2007 because it felt out of integrity. You know, something's missing. I'm not happy. I'm supposed to know as a coach how to get past this. Couldn't couldn't figure it out. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. I mean, luckily I had work over the years from other sources, but I wasn't trying to promote my own business since, since it wasn't feeling authentic anymore. And, uh, but I did come across the great wisdom traditions in about 11 years later that answered that question, which is what is this thing that's missing that I don't have a clue where to look, how to look. And the one thing that was missing Welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I'm so glad you're back. My guest today is Peggy O'Neill. Peggy's been coaching leaders in multinational organizations throughout the world for more than 30 years after practicing law for 12 years, is a certified integral master coach and holds a Juris Doctor from the University of Arkansas. She was an assistant attorney general and Arkansas state purchasing director for Bill Clinton when he was attorney general and governor, respectively, and served in President Clinton's administration in the Federal Labor Relations Authority. Peggy now guides others to see beyond the illusions of separation, which is what limits us. She does this through direct experiential inquiry and with insights from the great wisdom, traditions, and science. Once experienced directly, the insights are transformational and free us to live authentically and effortlessly as we serve our highest calling. Welcome, Peggy. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you, Donna Lynn. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. I'm glad you're here. You know, it, it is always interesting to me uh, <laughs> when people who have held high positions, who have been in very practical situations, kind of put the pause on for a minute and say, hang on, <laughs> let's think about how this really works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, was my yeah. I'm going to get to the bottom of how this really works. <laughs> I love that. I just love that. Um, I think that that is a real testament to um, challenging our systems, you know, um, and saying, okay, we're willing to say, just because somebody said, if I go to this school and I'll get into this and then I'll get hired there, what do I really want and how do I really want it and how am I going to get there and how does this all work? Um, so I'm so glad to have you here talking to us about that. And with respect to what the one thing is that you can do that it, we kind of always get it wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, so tell us a little bit about you. Well, a little bit more about that. Um, you know, I've kind of checked all the boxes. Like, as you said, I had the law degree. I'd worked with Clinton. I have, I'd been coaching for about 20 years and had great clients, uh, work that made a difference, but something was missing. I was pretty miserable. So I actually walked away from my coaching business in 2007 because it felt out of integrity. You know, something's missing. I'm not happy. I'm supposed to know as a coach how to get past this. Couldn't, couldn't figure it out. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. I mean, luckily I had work over the years from other sources, but I wasn't trying to promote my own business since, since it wasn't feeling authentic anymore. And, uh, but I did come across the great wisdom traditions in about 11 years later that answered that question, which is what is this thing that's missing that I don't have a clue where to look, how to look. 
And the one thing that was missing, and it's a fundamental misunderstanding that almost every one of us has, which is that we believe that we're separate from the universe, from each other, and and then we also, at that point within, are also uh, separate from our true selves. Because if we believe that we're separate from the universe and um, others, then it, it follows through that we're also separate from ourselves. And so, so then turning that around, the, the insight is that, oh, we're all one being. And immediate relief came as I was studying that because that that's the that's the understanding that then that the misunderstanding I'll start there the misunderstanding is that we're separate if we believe we're separate that does lead to our personal dissatisfaction suffering struggling lack of meaning not being happy it leads to conflict within families and it leads to wasted time and energy and productivity in organizations and so that's the misunderstanding and then if we know who we truly are this one being and that we're all, uh, we all share our being and then also know what goes with that correspondingly is that we're, our inherent nature is peace, love, happiness, and fulfillment. And all of that is what brought immediate relief, that knowing, that understanding that wisdom traditions have been telling us for more than 3,000 years. And now science has been telling us this for a century, for a hundred years. So my, you know, what I'm up to is helping us know this, you know, helping us know this possibility that's been around and, uh, and now we have the opportunity to, to, to know it and to live it. Yeah, that is really exciting. Um, I, I will say, uh, you've, you've hit on so many points. I want to mm. kind of extract a few things right. and go a little deeper. Um, one thing you talked about in the beginning of your response was about risk and, uh, you know, and then you immediately followed it up with, uh, I found an answer. And the reason I want to bring this out for a second is just that um, sometimes we're afraid. <laughs> we have jobs <laughs> and we have a thing that we built if we have our own business and we feel like I just spent all this time building this and now it's it's not okay. Now I don't have peace in myself about it. And so there must be something wrong with me as opposed to there is something that I want that's different and that the world is calling out of me that is different than where I am right now, right? And so that's there's that one. There's the like, I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna close my, my practice. Or uh, I have several clients who are in the middle of big changes like that, right? And then, then immediately followed it up with, I looked for an answer for how could I get peace? How could I, what is missing in my life? And I found it. How beautiful is that? That's just amazing. Can you tell us about that process a little bit? Yeah, so a couple of things. First, like I said, it took 11 years. Uh, so, so it was a long process. And what was so interesting is that when I, uh, you know, first realized I just can't keep up what I'm doing. I mean, I could, I mean, you know, I'm human. I'm obviously accomplished. I could make myself keep going, but I was just so miserable that, that I just thought I can't do it. So somehow I didn't know at that point what to look for really. 
because I, as I said, I'd been coaching for about 20 years. At that point, I'd been co uh, certified by one coaching school. Later, I got certified by another coaching school. So I had even great coaching credentials and knew what I was doing, so to speak. Um, and, and so I was at kind of my wit's end. I'm doing all of the right things. I'm doing everything that, that the coaching world, and then as, as you alluded to, too, our, our society says to do. And so I really didn't know where to start. So it was it was kind of a, a place of trust that just surely someday happiness will appear somewhere. I mean, it is somehow, because I did know that just getting a new job or trying to find a relationship or something like that, I knew that would not make me happy. We all, we were conditioned that way. We're told, find work you love. Well, I had work I loved, but I still wasn't happy. So, so these, what society had conditioned us or in me to, to think would help that happiness appear just wasn't accurate, at least in my experience. So the journey was really a, just a journey of trust, of just stepping out there and surely, you know, work will come, something will happen. It was like a, just taking a step at a time, a step at a time, a step at a time, and then a friend of mine told me he'd been reading this book on a plane, and I said, oh, what is it? And he told me, it was, it's called Being Aware of Being Aware by Rupert Spira. I'd never heard of him before, except the day before, I happened to get an email where somebody was had a video of him in it. And I go, okay, within 24 hours, two things, Rupert Spira, never heard of him before, I'm going to follow up. And reading that book, very easy to read, very practical had the wisdom traditions make perfect sense. I went, oh, this is what it was. It was a journey that did not have a clear destination when I stepped out. I just stayed on the path, just in a form of trust. I will say though, in about 2009, I was walking one day. In this particular day, there were a bunch of birds making a whole bunch of noise. And somehow I took that as a somehow that came to me to, to quit thinking, you know, I probably was planning my day or something. So I said, okay, I'll quit. I'll quit thinking. I'll just open my mind right now. Within a couple of minutes, this message came to me that said, we don't need any more managers or leaders. We need wisdom leaders. I'm like, okay, because traditionally those were the people, my clients were managers and leaders. And so I thought, well, what does that mean? So I did get on a bit of a journey to do some research, but, but basically it, what was being said about wisdom leadership was what I was already doing. So I just really didn't understand that message. And it wasn't until, you know, by then about another nine years or eight or nine years when I read the, the book that I realized, oh, this is what that message meant, that it's the opportunity is for us to embrace our essential nature, this one being that we are and live in the world that way, run our organizations that way, our families, our communities, participate in life that way. I just love that you're talking about this space of change. So uh, I like to call it the portal of change because for me, it's like sometimes life just happens around you and you you are in it, whether you meant to go in it or not. Sometimes we choose and sometimes life chooses for us, right? And uh, and what you're the way you're describing everything is about really heightening your awareness and really tuning in to what is happening around me and what am I willing to allow that to mean to me, right? So those are things that we, sometimes we've been trained to kind of push those away and go like, oh, well, so the birds are singing, so what, right? But to take each moment and say, I am willing 
to experience the world through this in the unknown, right? Through this time period when everything is changing. I don't know how, and it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm it's changing, right? It feels like I, I quit my coaching practice and I don't know what to do next. It doesn't feel like, oh, I'm a butterfly and I'm, you know, just becoming one inside this uh, cocoon, right? No. You know, luckily, like I said, work came to me. I got a job offer to work in Singapore. So I was there for 14 months, came back and then lived with my mom to help her out for a while. And then another job opportunity came. So it was interesting, you know, the universe does provide, but it can be, as you said a while ago about risk, it can be very scary. Yeah, but even less scary. I think a lot of that, it can be scary part is the, what you're talking about. Like if we're not connected to ourselves, to to all of this then it is scary and when we when we understand that when we get an idea momentum's going to build really quickly like your 24-hour experience right it's like oh i got this email and somebody said the same thing to me and then i thought oh i'll read that and then you know off to off you went right you were in a direction suddenly you're you're exiting that portal of of the unknown change right i love how you're you're putting it all together, yes, and, and I love what you said about the, the awareness. Yes, it, it's really being, I mean, today people talk a lot about being present in the now, but it's really not so much focusing on being present in the now, but more what you, you're talking about, staying aware, just staying open, staying aware, and being more sensitive, as you were saying, around about what's going on within me, what's going on around me, so because a lot of us have become kind of desensitized, especially now with being on our phones all the time, TV, all of this stuff. And it's to allow ourselves to feel into more life, our life, the life around us. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about separation and for lack of a better way of putting it, oneness, right? It's like, um, we, we are separate, right? Because we're in these little bodies. We got our I call them space suits, uh, you know, we're, we're in these little bodies. And so it feels like we're separate. And in a way we are, we're experiencing a biology. My biology is different than your biology, all of that, right? So that we get to have this sort of singular vantage point. But then people like you and I come along and we say, you're all one. We're all one, experience everything, right? And people go like, ah, my head's gonna explode. How yeah. can that happen? How can that be? How can the world be in the condition that it's in if that's true? So can we just kind of throw that around a little bit and see, see where that leads? One of the reasons the world is in the condition that it's in is because we believe we're separate. Because if I really thought I was one with planet Earth, I wouldn't be doing things that harm planet earth if i saw the my friend next door or my spouse or my co-worker as one with me i wouldn't be mean to them or get mad at them or be upset with them or argue with them i mean we might have disagreements i'm not saying that it's not kumbaya by any means because as you beautifully said we each are a unique uh, perspective of life and so in that case they're going to be disagreements but but they're approached in a different way instead of a i got to protect myself and my ego has to be right about this then i'm going to relate naturally in that okay well this is another aspect of the one being so there's got to be some validity there let me be there with them in that way and yes our senses 
deceive us that we're separate. And it's also, as you're talking about, it's a way for us to, to live in the world and express the awareness that we are consciousness source, whatever the universe, whatever word works for people. And, and yet if we examine this, we can see in our own experience that we can't find separation. Um, and we intuitively know this. We love John Lennon's lyrics, One Day We Shall Live as One. I mean, intuitively, we sense this. I think we're starving for this. But but there haven't been many ways for people to talk about it. Or like you said, it's like, you must be crazy if that's what you're, you know, if you really believe that. Although I heard a lot of people during COVID especially say, gosh, we really are all one. So again, there's a, more of a, an awakening around this, I think, in the world but but yes, but it, it does take some real exploration, um, self-reflection, self-inquiry to see that we can't find separation. I might have gone off on one of those tangents. I might not have answered <laughs> I might not have stayed. I love this there. tangent. <laughs> okay. I love this tangent. It's very good. <laughs> um, I feel like, so part of what you were talking about is kind of, the thing we talk about when we're when we're feeling separate is the meaning of life, right? So we think that's what we're reaching for is oneness when we talk about that, but but most of the time what we're actually talking about is what does my life mean? <laughs> my time on the earth, not just what is the meaning of life, right? But why am I here? Why am I here? Why is what is my specific contribution? And there's often sort of a juxtaposition between those two things. Like, how can I have personal purpose and know that I am part of this incredible energy that is all that is? And so are you. And so is technology. And so is the ocean. Like, you know, we can all like look at everything and think, wow, this is a lot. All that is means a lot of things, right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about how does that impact our personal purpose? Because I love that you're talking about it evening out our, our relationships a little bit, our reactivity to our relationships. In fact, actually, before I let you answer, I'm just going to tell a story because I was upset yesterday. I was upset. And, and this I think this happens to everybody, right? So I study this for a living. I teach people for a living, right? But still it happens, right? And I was upset and I was having a personal experience, right? I wasn't part of everything. And all of a sudden I looked at a picture and I was feeling loss and I was feeling fear and you know, all of that in that moment. And all of a sudden I thought, you are eternal. So what does this moment mean to you if you are actually forever, what is time? And something about that question to myself allowed me to relax and to let go and to allow cycles to happen like the patterns we see in kaleidoscopes and places like that, right? You know, sacred geometry. And so I just wonder, what's your perspective on that, on that sort of personal meaning and, and, and oneness all at once? Once we really know, and I'll use the word grok. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the word grok. <laughs> science fiction. Oh, you've made me so happy. Yeah, Robert yeah. Heinlein, one of my yeah, favorite yeah. books. 
Yeah, that's a great. Uh, it's, it's a great word because it, it's the it's the embodiment. It's that authentic knowing. Just I know this, like I know my name. That kind of experience. So when we really grok that we're one with everything, that we are source. We're an expression of source. We are uh, infinite intelligence expressing through us, and we really grok that. So it's not a concept, not a mental idea, but we really get that. Then we feel the meaning that we are. Joseph Campbell once said that, that a lot of people are looking for meaning and purpose. He said, well, what I really think they mean is they want to feel alive. And so that's part of this too, is that when we know, oh, source is expressing through me. I'm one with this, this, this infinite intelligence, divine wisdom, then we do start feeling more alive because, you know, several things you've said, or you and I have said, both said, you know, that we, we become more sensitive to then maybe being called, we're being called to do, invited to do, what's in front of us to do. And what happens is we start relaxing that sense of a separate self with this ego that I've got to defend this ego. We start relaxing into more of an experience of, of I mean, I think most of us too want to contribute. Uh, I think that's why we look for purpose and meaning. And we become actually more selfless because we're, we feel more this, this sense of, of um, uh, we, well, we've relaxed that sense of separate identity that I've got to take care of my, my I mean, we all want to take care of ourselves. I don't mean it that way, but that I've got to defend and protect this separate self-identity. Then we relax that. Then we feel more freed up to serve and contribute and to not worry so much about, am I doing it right? Do I look good? Are they going to like me? All of that starts relaxing, and paradoxically, we enjoy life much, much more. And people enjoy being around us much more. So leaders, for example, in organizations, when they're trying to be a good leader, they might be, they're too much of their ego showing up. They're always double-checking themselves and, and being defended, possibly. And, but when they can let that go and relax and realize, oh, we're all, we're all aspects of the same being, and and I don't have to check on how well I'm doing. Trust that I'm consciousness is living through me and I'm expressing what is right, what's useful for what's right here in front of me. And then, um, and then freedom, we feel freedom and alive. And, and so that's, that's how I would answer that. Yeah, that's great. I love that you bring leadership into it because I think that it's very hard to stand in any kind of a leadership position without uh, really embracing this concept that it is safe to trust those around you, to work as an organism, to know that you're, um, you, when, when certain people are expressing themselves, it seems like really differently than what the group wants, right? that that is part of what you're there to do, that that's the great contributing, that you know, you're know you looking for those little pointy edges so that, uh, so that when you are in that leadership position, you can open those doors and new thoughts can come and new ways to do things and that you can innovate in that space that you, where you cannot when everybody is afraid to say what they really think. Yeah, no, I love that too. I love how you brought in the possible, what's so possible when we know we're one being. The space is open for creativity, come in, flow in, and, and, and aliveness, and then performance. You know, people are worried about performance. Well, this is where 
high performance happens is this freedom, this open space, this trust, this, you know, we're all, we, we really want to hear from each other. And, and I ha kind of hate to say we're all in this together because that's a different context because that becomes a rally, you know, teamwork. We're all in this together. And you and I are really talking about something else. We're talking about more of that, as you said, more of a, well, I'm not sure you can use this word exactly, but it becomes more of the flow experience because we're, it's like we're more like in a dance more like jazz where we riff off of each other where we're we're in tune with each other and then we we trust each other and we're playing music together i love that you're bringing in this this idea of like how do we work together how do we be in the world <laughs> like, right. right because we can sit around and say we're all one for on sundays and then go back in the world and be like i don't know i don't know how to do it like this right but you know, productivity has been so proven, has so many ways that it's been proven that uh, it's impacted positively by this concept of oneness, by this concept of really honing ourselves into alignment, right? And you've worked in some really high powered positions. So tell us a little about that. How does that work into it? Well, and, and like you, you mentioned very early on in our conversation, I'm very practical. So as I embraced these teachings and this knowing, yes, I don't want it to just be on a Sunday or a weekend retreat, but this is what's possible for us to live. So that's part of my mission right now is to how do we translate that into everyday life and into workplaces and so on so that we can live this, this reality that we're being told by science science as well as wisdom traditions. How that happens in the in the workplace is that or, or high level workplaces, well it usually takes of course the highest level person on the team to really want to embrace these teachings. Uh, you know, to really they want to be that selfless leader. They want to know who they are. They're, maybe they're often, often they're people that have reached really high levels and they're tired of learning another leadership model because this is not a leadership model. And this is, this is a way of understanding humanity and life and, and the universe. And so it's, it's often people that, that are just curious and they're maybe, and again, they don't want to learn another leadership model. And then as they take on this knowing, through self-inquiry, then they just, it, it's a natural evolution, if you will. So it's not more skill development or it's not more um, learning how to get better at something. We naturally relax and appreciate people in a different way. So it creates an environment. It's more relaxed. It's like we've all seen Olympic athletes before they perform. They're, they've got the headsets on, they're listening to music because they're getting trying to be relaxed at the same time that they're energized. So it's more like that because the leaders quit listening to their thoughts about what should happen, what I need to do, what everybody needs to do, and are more uh, in tune with, uh, as, as you said a while ago, the ideas coming to them. And so there's more of a, it's just a relaxed, it's, a, it's, it's like the Olympics. It's a relaxed environment because people really want to contribute and do the best that they can. So that's what starts happening is people become, they, you know, they enjoy each other more and then they're, and they just, they work harder because they're happier. I mean, they're happier. I mean, there are many articles written about happier leaders have much better uh, team. Yeah. This is so in alignment with my experience. I will say I've been, I've led companies, throughout my career, right? In different ways and in different roles. And uh, 
what I find is, of course, earlier on, I knew a lot less about this, right? And so what I find is that as I become more developed in terms of my relationship with this information, this wisdom uh, coaching that you're talking about, which sort of opening myself up to this oneness of the universe or, or beyond, right? Whatever is the all that is, um, that what happens is that other people start to shine in a way that I can't even anticipate, right? I probably hired them for a reason, right? I thought, oh yeah, that one will be good at this and that one will be good at that, very practical, right? And then you get people together and when you can kind of open up the way you're talking about and allow and set a stage where they get to be brilliant, they are so brilliant. They're beyond anything I could have anticipated. So I think that's, you know, when we talk about like, how can, how can we go to work and do this, right? And how can we do this if my boss isn't that? Okay, we'll talk about that in a second, right? But, but what, if, what if this is who you are and you bring this to your company? Man, what a gift because so much can come through in that same way that you were walking down, you heard the birds and a brilliant idea came and you were like, oh, I know, I know something about the nature of the universe now. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was thinking about it more from the high level position person, but you're exactly right. You don't have to be, quote, the person that has the role of the leader. Technically, we all are leaders in an organization. You know, we're all, we all have the ability to influence and see ourselves as somebody that's making a difference. So I, I've often worked with all these years, even before I knew what we're talking about right now, that, that leaders is not a position or a role. It's a way of being. It's a way of, of wanting to relate in an organization. So, uh, so yeah, what we're talking about, um, a person can, doesn't have to be in a position because it's all, it's a way of being. You know, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's uh, who you are. It's who we it's who are. You are. It's who yeah. we are. Yeah. And we, we all know we've, we've been in meetings where a really happy person walks into the room and we all feel it and we're, oh yeah, this is going to be great. Or somebody walks in, they're really angry and miserable. And all of a sudden the energy in the room goes, Ugh. so the same thing. So the person who's living this and experiences more freedom and joy and, and, and uh, peace in their lives, they're going to walk into a meeting, a meeting with a bunch of people or a meeting with their colleague next door and a whole, uh, and so that influences the whole communication and interaction and what's possible. Just they, they just walk into the room and people can feel the peace and so something shifts automatically. And the other thing about talking about leaders in this is that a lot of people are realizing as technology advances are asking, are we wise enough? Are we wise enough in our relationship with this technology? Or is our wisdom keeping up with the technology that's being brought about? So some people are starting to be more aware of that. For us to keep up with a lot of advances in the world that we want to understand the world maybe in a new way, become truly wiser beings. Some people talk about the wise application of knowledge. You and I are talking about another possibility that, that involves um, really understanding who we are and that kind of wisdom, the wisdom of the universe, helping inform us as we're 
as we're open to the creativity and the ideas and the wisdom that the universe can provide us about all these advances and how to relate to them and how to use them. And, and so that's another aspect in the business world that I think is really key. And I love that you touched on the, um, the quiet leader, right? Because mm -hmm. the person who might not be in the role of leader or might, but that we're so influential here in our little bodies. We are so influential that all we have to do is attain a certain mood, a certain vibration, a certain way of being, a way of allowing some, some energy to move within us. And then everything around us starts to behave differently. So those, I'm sure, I mean, you probably have amazing stories to tell of, uh, you know, world leaders you've worked with. And so they are typically people who know how to move energy like this, right? That's how you get to stand there and, and receive in such a way and know how to direct. Um, so can you just talk about that? Like what that real high level um, position and plugged inness is? Well, of course, not everybody in a high level position is you know, no, yeah. you know, they think they're yeah, separate. They really think they're separate and they have that ego that goes with all of that. And so there is that sort of leader and I've worked with plenty of them, but then there is the leader that you're talking about too, that has that, it's a deep sense of well being that they're able to bring, uh, you know, the sense of all is well, you know, I worked with Bill Clinton. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I did Doubt. He might now know what we're talking about. I don't think he did when I was working with him. But he naturally... Maybe I'll ask him. We'll yeah. see if he can come on. Yeah. Um, and he might by now, but, but back then, he did have those qualities of that anybody around him did feel that. He felt yeah. like you're the most important person in the world. There was, a, there was an opening. There was a charisma. I mean, I read an article a while back, quite a while back, where somebody was so annoyed because... She was annoyed with some of what was being said about Clinton and women, but when she was around him, sure enough, she was like, felt alive and, and you know, just felt so seen that, uh, you know, she was annoyed by that. But, but that's what happens with those, with leaders that really get, you know, well, he, he cares. So, I mean, so you can't pretend this. So it's not a skill one can learn. One can learn it as a skill, but it won't be nearly the way that, that it was like with Bill Clinton because it was just so natural. He loved people. He just, and he just felt it. And then, then of course, then you, everybody wanted to work hard for him and all, all that goes with that that we've already talked about. I want to actually just interject here because you brought up something so amazing is that you don't have to know this. This is not intellectual. It doesn't matter if you intellectually get this or not. Right. Because what you were talking about, like, probably maybe he didn't know any of this information. Certainly we didn't have any of the science that we have now or most of the science that we have in terms of brain waves and heart waves and neurons and all of the science behind this. A lot of that has been developed since since the Clinton administration. Right. So it, that's there's been a big chunk of time there, but it doesn't matter. You can do this whether you know you're doing it or don't know you're doing it because in a way it really is one of our natural states, isn't it? It is. It's, it's natural. Uh, and flow, I mentioned flow a while ago. 
it's taught a lot that we have to get to a flow state and yet flow is our natural state our natural way of being the only reason we don't feel flow is because we're focused on our thoughts or our ego or feelings or or something else that gets us caught up in circumstances and, and our stories about ourselves and life and organizations and once we realize that's what's happening and quit paying attention to all that then we experience being the flow that we actually are mm -hmm. well i just want to say peggy you are such an incredible person and a real light in the world and i'm so honored to have had you here today i want to be sure that people know how to get in touch with you now of course we are going to link everything on all the platforms but tell us a little bit about what you your offerings are what you do in your practice today okay Wonderful, thank you. And it's been an honor being with you. This has just been such a, uh, a fun conversation because you know what we're talking about at a deep level. So this is, this is incredible, thank you. So the, my offerings are I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with usually high-level executives or at least people that are aspiring to that. They're very accomplished people. Uh, but I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with uh, leaders and lawyers and other people and um, uh, and I also do work within organizations to help have cultures along the lines of what we're talking about right now. So I do group work in organizations. And then I also have public courses where people can do this work. When by public, I mean it's, um, you know, it's not within an organization. So people can join that. It's a group program to uh, understand and to live everything that we're talking about today. So those are the three main ways, one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives or other people and um, group programs and organization and then my public group program. Super. Thank you so much. Uh, like I said, this is all linked below. So please take a look on the platform that you're on and make sure we get directly to those links so that you can have the benefit of Peggy's wisdom beyond this particular interview. I want to, of course, remind you that joy is an important part of what we're talking about. And it's very, very hard actually to get to a state of joy without some idea of what we're talking about right now. So please go to RoadmapToMoreJoy.com and take the quiz. It's a two minute quick quiz and it will really give you a sense of where you are now and how you can make changes in your life in order to move into a more joyous state. Thank you so much for being here with us today.